The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. USC was looking like a 10-2, 11-1 team until Notre Dame wiped it off the earth that night. And that's going to that's gonna cause some problems. And there might be some infrastructure problems at Heritage Hall that are going to show in the long run. But they showed up that night, too. Once they're on the heels, there was no response. Here come the Irish. What a run! Touchdown! Play of the year for the Irish! Hey, welcome back to the ND on NBC podcast. I'm your host, Corey Robinson, joined by Douglas Farmer. Look, let's just get right into it. Stanford got demolished 56 23. All of there were moments, Douglas, for you and I, <laughs> you and I was like, if there's another fumble, I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, my heart was just the palpitations. Oh, my goodness. The, the fumble on the goal line that wasn't, that one, okay, at that point, you could have had some frustrations. But otherwise, Notre Dame had that game in control the whole time. I wasn't. Every, every one of those turnovers, I just thought, okay, it'll make Notre Dame's win that more impressive when they win by four touchdowns anyway. And guess what, Corey? They You're won right. by more than that anyway. You're right. I, you know, for me, I, I, live, I live play to play. You know, maybe, maybe it's unhealthy. Maybe I, I need to learn how to be a fan because I'm, I'm still like a player where I'm like, okay, breaking down film, you're going to get yelled at pretty bad for that one. You know, <laughs> so, so I always think play to play and like grading play by play. And, uh, and I feel all the anxiety and the bile, you know, like all the things that you think about when you're like the pit in your stomach, you're like, oh man, I got to watch tape. We're going to get yelled at and I got to overcome that. But I think as a fan, it's just too hard to do that. You can't do four hours of that. It, it has really hurt. It's just, it's too exhausting. It's, and it's, it's helpful in the analyst or reporter position to remember the margins are the margins. The turnovers aren't the, like, they can determine a lot of games. We saw that with Notre Dame this season, yeah. but on a play to play basis, the turnovers aren't the story. It's, is Notre Dame winning every play? And against Stanford, Notre Dame won every play. One of those turnovers, Stanford got a field goal off it. They didn't gain a yard. They just got a field goal off it. Like, that's not a credit to Stanford. They just gained three points out of charity, effectively. So let's talk about Audrey Estimate. Huge game. I mean, huge, huge, huge game. Come I can on, read the he, numbers. What did he do? <laughs> let's throw out some numbers here. 238 yards, four touchdowns. When you look at the season for him, I just want to go zoom out really quick because this, I mean, that's a wonderful, wonderful. That's like a video game kind of stat, high school kind of stat. Where have you seen the growth? What have you been most impressed as from week one, week zero, I should say, to right now with Audrey? He is a power back more than a complete back. He always has been, but he showed some of those other areas this year. And the other thing that really impressed me, and not that I ever doubted this, but it's always impressive. Audrey Gassman was the clear number one back, clear team leader in the fall, in the preseason. And he was willing to bring these other four guys along with him and sacrifice carries. If Notre Dame didn't have as good of a running back room, Audrey Kesme would not have only set 
the single season touchdowns record with 18 rushing touchdowns. He set that. He would have also set the single season rushing yardage record, which he's going to end up, I think it's 100, less than 100 yards short of. And that was just because he gave up so many carries to these other players, to Jeremiah Love, to Jadarian Price, to Jabron Payne, and Audric never bellyached. Audric never had a problem with that. And that, I wasn't surprised by it, but it's still impressive. Yeah, when you actually see, you know, people say team, team this, but to actually give up the stats and, and be a running back group, you're right. That is that is impressive as a leader. It's not something you should ever assume. And I mean, I'm, I pulled up the numbers here. Jeremiah Love, more than 300 rushing yards. Jadarian Price, 166. Jabron Payne, 100. There were five, 600 rushing yards there that got split amongst those three. And if a couple of them go to Audric Estime, he ends up with the all-time record. Producer Matt chimes in here. Mm-hmm. He ended up 72 yards short of that single-season wow. record. That's been around since the 70s. Like, that's a tough <laughs> record to get. And that, that's where you've got to give him some credit. Yeah. Wow. Let's talk about Sam Hartman. Um, I've heard of him. let's talk about we you know jordan Faison came on the podcast i was so proud of him i was like let's go got that touchdown you know uh jaden greathouse scored again but one thing that stood out to me i was like okay this is the we talked about sam's performance throughout the season one thing that i told him when he came on the pod was his, his ability to just have that common poise throughout you know basically any type of scenario he's back to that hyper efficient sam that we saw earlier what did you think about uh, the ebbs and flows of Hartman's season this year? The ebbs and flows of Hartman's season were the ebbs and flows of Notre Dame's receivers. I mean, you mm. saw Jaden Greathouse look great this weekend. Jaden Greathouse effectively missed a month of the season. He played most yeah. of it, but he couldn't get – there was no get-up. There was no explosive. He was hurting in the hamstring, and it showed. Jaden Thomas became an afterthought the second mm. half of the season for the same reason. Sam Hartman needs receivers to throw the ball to. What's the old – what's the old uh, – Tom Brady Super Bowl gripe. He can't catch the passes himself, too. Sam Harbert was looking at that problem this year when he had receivers as Faison grew into a role. He's a freshman. I don't care that he's a former walk-on. He's a freshman. Rico Flores is a freshman. They're not going to be coming out of the gates hot in September. As they grew into it, Hartman returned to that hyper-efficient look that you had early in the season when the competition was just that overmatched at that point. But it's it was Stanford also. You know, Stanford also is overmatched. Yes, it wasn't that Sam Hartman had ebbs and flows this year. It was that Notre Dame's receivers had ebbs and flows this year. That's an interesting point. I will say, very astute. There are a lot of injuries. We talked about that. Players had to step up, which I thought was interesting. You know, but even the players that stepped up got like when Mitchell Evans went down. I was like, oh no, <laughs> you know. So it's an interesting point. It's a very good point. They and they they simply and this can be a problem next year. This is going to be a problem for another couple of years. Notre Dame so failed in receiver recruiting uh, two and three cycles ago that they just don't have enough players. And that's how you end up with only three healthy receivers when you play Duke. You can't do that. And that was another piece of the problem. It's not just that these were freshmen, it's that they were they literally did not have enough. Corey, you remember in your day, you needed you want to have ten scholarship receivers to start August. And Notre Dame hasn't had that in years, and it's not gonna have it next year either. So that's gonna to continue to be a worry. I also want to bring up Great House because when you were talking, I just had like this vision, you know, remember back in Ireland where I was like, oh man, like <laughs> He just blew up, right? And then at the end, the, so the bookends, you're right. At the bookends, minus all the injury, minus the time away, we saw sparks. What do you expect from this receiving core? The, 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 if they were healthy next year, what are you thinking you're going to see? You're going to see that next step, that explosive leap, potentially? 
Um, there's a question in there that you're not asking, but you're also asking is Chris Tyree back. So for this conversation, let's assume for this conversation, let's assume okay. Chris Tyree is back. If you have Chris Tyree and a healthy Jaden Greathouse and a healthy Rico Flores. You still want a big body like Jaden Thomas to be healthy and yep. to show himself. But right there, you start to have the makings of what Notre Dame has needed. Now, again, depth will be an issue. You need Braylon James to grow into a role. You need Deion Colsey to return healthy. That's another name that was gone all season because of a knee surgery, and maybe he plays in a bowl game, maybe not. But that's another big-body receiver who flashed a little bit in 2022 Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, could not contribute this year because of injury. They need numbers as much as they need those top-line guys to be healthy. But those top-line guys being healthy next year, Tyree, uh, Flores, Great House, right there, and then you add in Faison. Like that's 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 a look. That's yeah. a team that might have something to it, but it, the the numbers is going to be a problem. It's also interesting, you know. All season long, Jason Garrett came on, you know, for the home games, and and he would say the same thing, right? This team just run the ball. <laughs> like, like let's not complicate things. When you got Audrey Gustime, you know, running for two hundred thirty-eight yards and four touchdowns, you said all the stats you just threw out there. I'm thinking just hand the ball off, but it is an interesting point. It's just just for like the fans out there to understand how football works, right? You, you establish the run, and then you take the chunk plays, right? So it is an interesting point that, you know, you, what you're bringing up is that no one was even healthy for the chunk plays when they would come um, out. And that's so, where Duke and Louisville specifically just didn't care about Notre Dame's receivers. And that was a product of the best players being injured and there not being anybody else on the roster. Mm-hmm. And Duke and Louisville were like, yeah, whatever, we're just going to – stop Audrey Gestime. And it was the same problem Notre Dame's offense had in 2022 with a different quarterback. And the thought was the quarterback would be enough to change that in 2023, but Sam Hartman can't catch the passes himself. And that is where you need both aspects of that offense. And as much as Jason Garrett's right, just run the ball. You need, you need something to keep them honest. You know, it's an interesting point. And, and I, and I, and I think when we think about this this bowl game, I, I always find this to be a very interesting question because I was a part of the team in which, you know, um, uh, Jalen Smith, remember he heard he got hurt at the bowl game, the Fiesta Bowl. Early and, in Ohio State, Fiesta yeah, Bowl 2015. Yeah, and and when we think about, um, you know, Kyle Hamilton didn't play the rest of the you know, like So are you worried about, you know, the, what does the bowl game mean to today's generation? You're thinking nine wins could be ten. You know, like, is it worth it? You know, who, how, how are you thinking through this from this Notre Dame roster? If you have something to gain by playing the bowl game, play the bowl game. Um, Audrey Gastome, for example, isn't going to gain anything aside from that single-season record by playing the bowl game. I fully expect him to opt out. That isn't set yet, but I, I fully expect him to opt out and head pro. Uh, Sam Hartman, he played in Wake Forest Bowl game last year, which was somewhat a surprise. So I, it is player by player. To me, the biggest thing about a bowl game at this point is give the fan base a little bit of another month. Whether you win or lose, give the fan base another month of football and then get some young guys, whether it be defensive backs or Braylon James, the receiver I mentioned earlier. Give him 15 practices and see if you can find a sub package that he can play in in that bowl game Mm -hmm. to give him some some, uh, momentum going into the spring. It doesn't have to be a win or lose. Yes, you want to win. You're on the field, you want to win. But there are other things to draw from it besides that. So, I mean, let, let's just think through this hypothetically. Esme doesn't play. Hartman, let's say he doesn't play. I, I, I will. He played in Wakes last year. I feel like Sam Hartman will probably play. I don't okay. know that. I'm not trying to break any news, but I, that's just no. a hunch. I, I was just curious. I'm thinking, like, what? And, and Jelly, is that his time to come in? And, you know, so I was, I was trying to think through the, the you know, through the, the, through what that Notre Dame team would look like in your eyes and whether, because you know, you're thinking this is 
at the time, you know, the recording, I don't think the, uh, the, the polls have come out yet, but I mean, you know, number 18, so top 20, you're thinking this would be a pretty big game. Is Angeli ready for that? Is Angeli ready for that? Probably not. I mean, we saw that pretty ugly interception just this past weekend, but you need, you need him to either succeed or fail in that moment to have a better idea. There's, there is value in that. Absolutely. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Okay, so let's, let's talk through the, the losses. Let's just look back at this season. What do you want to do? We want to talk about the wins, what you're most impressive with, most impressed with Notre Dame, or do you want to talk about uh, the shortcomings first before we talk about the team as a whole and their performance? What do you want? Well, to do? I feel like those go hand in hand, Corey. <laughs> okay, let's, let's do the losses first. I'm going to be. Let's just rip off the bandaid. You look at Ohio State. That that loss, um, Louisville, which now ranked 25, and then Clemson. When you go through these losses, how do they match up in your mind against other top teams that Notre Dame's competing with for a bowl game spot? Well, Notre Dame isn't competing with anybody for a bowl game spot. It's not going to New Year's Six Bowl. The third loss to Clemson ruins that thought. Um, mm-hmm. Notre Dame is going to go where the ACC tells it to. We can get into that in a bit. Those losses, it, it, Ohio State will forever be remembered for the obvious problematic like you can't have 10 men on defense for the final two steps of the game but before that was was the third and 19 that ohio state mm-hmm. converted to get down to the goal line do you realize that is the only third and 10 or longer that notre dame gave up this entire season out of i wow. think 40 or 38 or 40 opponent attempts which is a heck of a impressive defensive showing until you remember what that one failure was it that ohio state game is going to be remembered and Sometimes in college football, you want to remember the classics. You would rather Notre Dame come out on the other side. Whereas Louisville and Clemson are just going to be games that you, you want to forget. And Marcus Freeman wants to forget without, I mean, want to learn from them, but then just ignore them. And that gets to be frustrating from a fan base's perspective. You want those games to at least be memorable and, and frustrating losses, not just what are we doing here, forget about them. Let's just peek. In the, and remember year one for Marcus Freeman, the losses there versus the losses this year. You know, you see that. Do you see a uh, a growth? I should say in this Notre Dame program at whole. Um, where where is your confidence in that? Yeah, the the only game Notre Dame lost that it shouldn't have lost really was at Louisville, and those games happen. It's it's Sam Hartman had a bad bad day. Whereas last year Notre Dame lost to Marshall, a, a nightmare that you don't like me to bring up, and Notre Dame lost to Stanford, which was a game that I struggled to explain for more than a year. And those those losses were what Brian Kelly did not do from 2017 through 2021. Hmm. So Marcus Freeman suffering two of them in his debut season was a real real. Uh, Ugly look. Let's go with that phrasing. And to avoid them this year, and the only one being on the road to a, a number 25 at the time, 
peaked at number 10 this season. I think is down to number 15 pending this week's college football playoff rankings. A New Year's Six Bowl, likely Louisville. Like losing that game at Louisville, you shouldn't have, but it's not even that problematic. So, yes, that alone, in my mind, says Marcus Freeman, has improved from season one to season two. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, the, the Ohio State, right? Uh, you're saying with the New Year's Six, right? Um, just well, Louisville will be a New Year's Six Bowl, too. And then now let's think about the, the, the two wins. Let's think about um, that. It's in my mind, jump out Duke. What a way to respond, right? I mean, and, and then, of course, USC. But USC is interesting because for me, you know, once again, I'm thinking like I like to, to – uh, <laughs> I like things in, in analogy or in relation. And when I saw USC go in, in with that Colorado game, I was thinking, is USC even that good? <laughs> and then that was kind of something no. that was really worried. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was like, Caleb's awesome. I was like, that quarterback can play. But is the rest of the team that good? And then, of course, but anyway, I want to hear your thoughts. What, what do you think about that, that USC win and that Duke win? Well, the Duke win, it's too bad Duke and, and immediately at the end of that game, Riley Leonard gets hurt. It's too bad their season fell apart as it did with Riley Leonard so hurt because that game is going to be diminished in memory. That was a top 20 road win, a, a dramatic one sparked by Sam Hartman's fourth and 16 scramble mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. absurd play. And then Audrey Gassman breaks off that 30-yard touchdown run. Just absurd. And that's going to be diminished in memory because that's human nature. You see, uh, I think Duke ended up 7-5, maybe 8-4. You see that, and you write that game off. No, that was a top-20 road win, and that's that's good to remember. USC is similar. Like, yeah, USC season fell apart. Notre Dame ruining any big USC dreams might have been a part of that. USC was looking like a 10-2, 11-1 team until Notre Dame wiped it off the earth that night, and that's going to that's gonna cause some problems, and there might be some infrastructure problems at Heritage Hall that are going to show in the long run, but they showed up that night too. Once they're on the heels, there was no response. Okay, so expectations, reality, uh, coming into the season versus how it actually finished out. How do they match up for you? Well, I, I pulled up my preseason predictions today and in preparation for you asking me that exact question. And I, I laid out that they would beat Ohio State, USC, lose to Clemson, lose one other game they shouldn't, and go to the Orange Bowl. So if Notre Dame makes a goal line stop against Ohio State, I would have hmm. nailed that on the spot. I was bold and assumed Notre Dame would play 11 players in every play, and I, I shouldn't have had that thought. Uh, I crack a joke. The other one to remember is DJ Brown. Just You know, you never want to put on one player. He had that interception. Dropping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, so in that respect, Notre Dame was always going to – you should always assume you're going to lose a game you shouldn't because these are 18 to 23-year-olds and Marcus Freeman's in his second season. Louisville was a game you shouldn't have lost, but top 20 team on the road, it's understandable. The, the only spot where I, I was off in my preseason predictions and therefore my preseason expectations was I thought they beat Ohio State and they came within they came one close. second of doing it. They came close. So but, it's it, I think they lived up to expectations, even if people are frustrated. Moving forward, uh, how long do you think it will take Marcus Freeman to get um, – I don't want to say his, his footing because, I mean, he just won nine games. You know? But I'm saying, you know, you get my point. When do you think it will be uh, all the, the learning out of the way? And we're, we're talking real contenders year after year. How many well, more years? Well, when you say contenders, Corey, contending for what? I mean, the only – you come to Notre Dame to play for a championship, right? Well, you don't play – you don't come to play for a, <laughs> you know, another I, bowl game. I think moving forward, the Notre Dame bar of expectations should be – Toast two playoff games every five years, 
maybe make a third playoff every five years. And in those three playoffs, make the semifinals at least once. Hmm. And you have to remember that's the 12-team playoffs starts next year. If Notre Dame yeah, is a yeah. top eight team in the country, it will host a playoff game. If Notre Dame is 9 through 12, it would go to a playoff game. And that's where I'm saying you want to be a top eight team in the country at least twice every five years, and that's going to be tough, but I don't think they're that far from it. Yeah, no, uh, Right now, Notre Dame, this year, Notre Dame would be just short of making that 12-team playoff. They beat Louisville. They'd be a number – they'd be hosting a playoff game this year. Like that, that's, they were close to it. Now you have to win two games to make the semifinals. And that's going to be a bit of an ask, but you want to do that at least once. I, I don't think they're that far from it. I, they're not there, but they're not far. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, cause you know how I feel. I'm very public about my, my belief in coach Freeman. And I'm curious to see when it will all settle down, but I, I have been very impressed by the mental fortitude of this team particular, uh, particularly. And I was like, huh, okay. I'm with you. I wonder how how far away. I know they're close, uh, but you know, in, in college football, uh, time is always something that you, um, know, you don't they, necessarily have. They don't have the receivers to be a title contender. They don't have the quarterback next year right now to be a title contender, and I'm not convinced there will be a title contender or the quarterback in the transfer portal. Yeah, so I'm not saying that. they're a title contending team next year, but Notre Dame next year very well could host a playoff game. And I, it's hard to be angry at any coach who finishes a season as a top eight team. And like, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying that, like, that's very much within next year's realm of possibility. So let, let's talk more about um, this idea, because I just find the macro stuff fascinating. You know, we're talking about, do you play? Do you not? Do you opt in? Do you not? You know, if you have something to play for, then yes, play for the bowl game. In this expanded playoff that, that starts, um, what do you think – will be the player's mentality with NIL and the expanded playoff versus like, should I go play? How does that change the calculus for them? I don't want to bring up bad Irish memories or certain names that Notre Dame fans don't like to hear. There's only one name I can think of in recent history, if ever, that chose not to partake in a team that still had a title chance. When Brian Kelly left Notre Dame, Notre Dame still had a path to the playoff. Everybody else, every playoff team, Everybody has played through it. You want to you go and tell me uh, last year's Ohio State receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, didn't play. Well, he didn't play most of the season, whether he could have or not, is a different conversation. But players haven't opted out of the playoff yet. Even overmatched four seeds haven't opted out of the playoff yet. I'm not going to sit here and expect a 12 seed to opt out of the playoff. It, only that moment of 90 guaranteed million dollars. There are no NIL offers. There are no NFL <laughs> contracts for rookies that are of that yeah. value. Got mm. somebody to opt out of a possible playoff. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
That's interesting. No, it's very, very interesting point. You came, you came with the heat today. So let's talk about, let's talk about some players, right? So we, we talked about the wide receivers. Let's not revisit that. We're not going to beat a dead horse. We talked about, uh, I mean, we did talk about Audrey. I mean, that's not a dead him. horse. It's just not enough horses. <laughs> we can talk about estimate more if you want. Harbin already kind of covered. But why don't we talk about the offensive line? We talk about at the very beginning of the season, if I can remember this correctly, our first interview was Joe Alt. And, and uh, I mean, Great player. I'm curious to hear from your perspective how he played this season in your eyes and uh, his draft prospects. He won't win. I, I doubt he wins any postseason awards. And Notre Dame is a three-loss team. It's as simple as that. But Joe Alt was the best offensive lineman in the country, and he will be a top-10 draft pick. Like that's Joe Alt should not play in the bowl game. He might because Notre Dame's offensive linemen have that, that kind of culture. But he shouldn't. Uh, he will become the first Notre Dame offensive lineman in history to opt early for the NFL draft after their junior season, to, to jump into the NFL draft after mm-hmm. their junior season. Joe Walt should, and and I think he's a top 10, maybe maybe he's a top 15 draft pick, and good for him. It continues a streak of Notre Dame left tackles that goes back a long way. Long way. On the other side of the line, Blake Fisher didn't play as well, might still go, uh, might still go to the NFL draft, and he'll be a, maybe a day two pick just based on his size and his potential. And you can't – it's hard to fault somebody who hears their name. Oh, I could be a second or third-round draft pick. I want to go get that. That's hard to fault. He, mm-hmm. he's, he's got that kind of size and potential, and it showed enough this year. It did. Defensive line, it's one of those interesting positions – you know, it's an interesting position because there's so much rotation, you know, and it's like at the next level, if, if you get lucky, you know, you don't have to be like a first-round draft pick. Like you can be undrafted or you can be kind of a late draft pick. Who from the defensive line do you think, you know, really impressed you that has a, a real shot? Oh, Javante Jean-Baptiste was the surprise of the season. I don't know if he's going to get a great NFL look just because of his age. This was his sixth college mm. season, and sixth-year college football players don't often catch NFL eyes. Riley Mills looks the part. I think he should probably come back to prove it a little bit further. Notre Dame's hoping he comes back to prove it a little bit further. Uh, other than that, that defensive line pro potential isn't there at the moment. Um, Howard Cross would get a look by the NFL. Notre Dame is is very hopeful and is borderline expecting him to return. So as far as defensive line draft picks, it's still a, it still hasn't caught there. But Notre Dame's defensive line depth continues to make it worthwhile, and that's where next year it should be better. You've got a quartet of sophomores who look good and haven't had a chance to take that leading role. And if two of them break through, Notre Dame's defensive line could really be something next season. Anyone else on the on the defense that catches your eyes? From the NFL perspective? Yeah. Uh, Xavier Watts is the question that you have to wonder about. Right? Cam Hart, NFL draft pick. Cam Hart, yeah. NFL, Cam Hart yeah. gone. I don't think he's out of eligibility, but he's gone. NFL mm-hmm. draft pick, finally healthy, go. He would have gone last year if he was healthy. Benjamin Morrison, NFL draft pick, can't go yet. So tough break. Can't go yet. Play Notre Dame <laughs> He's a tough break. You're going to wear the golden helmet again. What are you talking about? Uh, Xavier Watts had a great season. It was one season at a position he is still relatively new to. He mm-hmm. could behoove his NFL status by coming back. That said, you have seven interceptions. You want to try to capitalize on that. You don't. That could be a, that could be a tough one to nail down. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's, it's, it's very the calculus on that. I gotta know where's the advocate. I'm like because this um, is, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting question. That's Xavier all I'm saying. Watts can't make. I think Xavier Watts has only good options. Let's go with that. Yeah. Xavier Watts yeah. either gets to come back to Notre Dame and prove it was a more than a one year surge, 
or Xavier Watts gets to go capitalize on a one-year surge. That's that's a pretty good setup. No, yeah, you can't you can't really miss with that. So let me ask you about the transfer portal. Something that still kind of blows my mind is how to play it the right way. Some coaches are really great at it. You've mentioned, you know, I think actually maybe Jack Collinsworth might have mentioned on the broadcast how you know some teams just can't really figure it out. And he kind of pointed to Clemson as an example of more of a developmental program that did slow to uh, to adapt in this. Did Jack? I must have missed it. Did he say Clemson has been slow to figure out the trick? Clemson doesn't believe in the transfer. Clemson doesn't think it exists. I know, but I'm saying, well, you know, I'm being, I'm being delicate here. I'm being delicate. You know, I'm you know? not delicate, Corey. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to massage it. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, you know, this is the yeah. The main point is this. You know, there are some programs that embrace it, Colorado, other programs like Clemson that do not. Where is Notre Dame in this aggressive? Because we've seen them go aggressively after quarterbacks, but not like you're saying. It's not like a Caleb Williams type of quarterback, Heisman contender. Where do you expect them to make moves? Um, Marcus, we're recording this on Monday, November 27th for, yep. for context here. This afternoon, Marcus Freeman had a media availability that Nordham has never really done before after the regular season finale. It was great, just tying up some loose ends. He was asked in the past, Notre Dame transfer portal has had troubles. What uh, advancements, what improvements have you seen? And he pointed to um, hoping slash vaguely expecting quicker answers from admissions. Notre, mm-hmm. We all know Notre Dame's admissions are tough. Like it's a tough hurdle. Very, to very hard, yeah. That is a problem enough when you're trying to pull in players from across the country. The problem Notre Dame has inflicted upon itself was that, hey, we want to we want to get this guy Corey Robinson from Texas, and admissions would take two weeks to give really? them a an all clear or not. And in the transfer portal, you don't have ten weeks. You don't have two weeks. Players need to know right off the bat within a few days of Are you an option or do I got to go? And he's hoping that Notre Dame can be quicker about that. And if Notre Dame is quicker about that, it opens up not the entire pool of players but mm-hmm. some younger players maybe 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 even some sophomores more likely wow. more likely just freshmen and graduates but that opening that up by any percentage will be a big change for Notre Dame I will believe it when I see it but I Notre mm-hmm. Dame knows that's the issue it's not just that it's a hard school to get into it's that the delay in asking if a player is clear to getting that clearance even just unofficial like yeah yeah he'll be good we got to figure out this class or two and so when you ask me where will they go look, they want some mm. defensive linemen, they want a quarterback, they need receivers. Opening that pool up a little bit will be huge as it pertains to receivers and defensive linemen. Quarterbacks, they're probably going to go graduate. I don't know who. I will see who enters. I'm not convinced there's going to be any star, star, star in the portal this year. But if Notre Dame could find a graduate quarterback and then a handful of receivers plus defensive linemen, like five total in those two positions, they could they could really massage this this roster for 2024. Yeah, I mean, we've seen safeties, D-line, graduate quarterback. We've seen those kind of be like the ones that Notre Dame really likes. But it is interesting, the receiver, right? I think you're on to something. Well, they, about- remember, they pulled in Caleb Smith from Virginia Tech this past year, and he ended up retiring after spring practices. He might have been passed over by a few freshmen, and – that's that's that was a frustration when you needed bodies, but like it wouldn't be unprecedented. Notre Dame one got Bennett Skoranek from Northwestern a couple of years yeah, back, yeah, and he clearly yeah. worked. And think, didn't he catch a pass in the Super Bowl not too yeah, long? Like no, it, no, it worked yeah. out for him too. It did. No, that's a good point. Uh, thanks for tuning in for, to the final episode of Indy on NBC. It's just always a pleasure to listen to you break down, you know, all the different areas of Notre Dame football, Douglas. You know it so well. So uh, thank you so much for your expertise and your time. 
and I can't wait to watch the bowl game. Let's go. Uh, we'll see who it is. <laughs> uh, well, I think I think December 28th, Pop-Tarts Bowl or January 1st, ReliQuest Bowl. I'd lean it's going to be a New Year's Day, ReliQuest Bowl. We'll see who they face. Cannot wait. Until then, go Irish. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.